Amen. Hey, we are once again in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult, number 11 that does not agree with the workbook. That's right. Uh, it is the new topic. That's right. Give it up for Christian Science. Now, hopefully, we will learn very shortly and throughout this study. That's right, Bobby. It is not Christian and it is not science. That's right. Not even close. I tell you what, it is another cult. Okay, now open your Bibles. We've got an opening text, believe it or not. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is going to be our opening verse tonight. Kind of set the pace there and uh, for what we're about to do. Okay, and what the Bible says not to do. Unfortunately, these folks, Christian Science, of course, their founder, Mary Baker Eddy, another female figure. Uh, what she unfortunately violated, right? But let's take a look at that. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, right there at the very end. Now, as you turn there, remember the context. We've, we saw two chapters prior with our Seventh-day Adventist study. thought it was very interesting. In chapter 4, Paul said in the last days, he said there's gonna, people are going to abandon the faith. They're going to follow deceiving spirits, things actually taught by demons. They're going to be hypocritical liars. Remember that text? And that they're going to forbid marriage and eating certain foods, and that's certainly what the Seventh-day Adventists do, amongst other false teachings. Now, so two chapters later, at the very end, Paul throws in another admonition for Timothy, and listen to what he says there. Verse 20, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter, okay? Godless chatter literally means ungodly, uh, 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 unholy, empty, vain stuff. Just, any, just get away from that stuff. It's useless. It's ungodly. You're not to spend your time focusing on just the things of this world, ungodly chatter. But not only that, he said also, he said, and the opposing ideas, Interesting Greek word, it's antithesis. Guess what English word we get from that? The antithesis. It means the exact opposite, right? It's just one of those English words that's completely brought over from the Greek, right? But that's what it means. So stay away from this godless chatter, this worldly, empty, vain talk, in other words. Stay away from stuff that is absolutely diametrically opposite of what you know to be true, the gospel, God's word, okay? And he says this, and of what is falsely called knowledge, Right? Now, some of your translations there might say science falsely called, okay, uh, that's used there. And uh, you're certainly going to see that with this stuff we're going to see uh, the journey tonight. Christian science, right? It is falsely called science. It's falsely called not only science, it's falsely called knowledge, okay? Uh, the Greek word gnosis, uh, meaning knowledge there. So he says to do that, says so turn away from all that stuff, all that false stuff, that people come up to you and say, hey, that's right, this is just incredible knowledge, secret knowledge, and it's... It, it, and if it opposes the word, run. That's basically what he says. So somebody comes to you, they got some secret knowledge. And only they, does that sound like today? And the only they, yeah, and that's, what, that's how cults start. Okay, he said stay away from that. Which some have professed and in so doing have what? Wandered from the truth. Okay, and that's what we've been seeing. And we're certainly going to see a new journey tonight with this new topic with Christian science. These people have wandered from the truth. Why? Because they make the same fatal error that, every, that starts every single cult. Right? Every single false teaching, every single false teacher, they get away from what? The Bible. Every single time. Right? And they wander away and they spiritualize it. Oh, they've got the knowledge, they've got the secret power, and it's completely diametrically opposed. Now, before we get into that, you notice that the title here says, The Church of Christ, comma, Scientists, also known as the Christian Science Church. So you've got a couple different versions, right? It's not just Christian Science, they'll also go by the Church of Christ, comma, scientists okay but again they, they focus that and we're going to see tonight if it were not for the christianese listen if it were not for the christianese that they use and if you just looked at what they taught you wouldn't even think it had anything to do with christianity it's that far off seriously they just really even more so than the other ones we've seen so far they pepper christianese and even what is christianese they twist now just to set the pace because again uh, uh i'm saying straight out of the gates these guys are a cult Right? Not just false teaching, it's a cult and another cult leader. You think, well, that's pretty strong, right? Well, I'm just going to give you a smatter, and we're going to get into all this later as we break down the five categories that get it wrong, that all cults get it wrong. But you tell me, and just, to, just quickly, just a rough idea, what they believe, if, if this is even close to what you and I believe according to the Word of God the Bible, right? Now, Christian science, they basically have their big work, and their big work is called Science and Health with Key to Scriptures, right? This is Mary Baker Eddy's big thing. This is basically, they say we follow the Bible, but guess what they really follow? Her book, This Science uh, and Health with Key to Scriptures. It's the exact same pattern you've seen with Joseph Smith. Oh, I follow the Bible, but what do you really follow? He came up with what? 
the Book of Mormon. Same thing we saw with Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, we follow the Bible. But what do you really follow? Watchtower Society, the writings of Charles Taze Russell, etc., etc. Uh, Seventh-day Adventists, we just saw that. Oh, I follow the Bible. But what do they really follow? The writings and so-called visions of Ellen G. White. Same thing with Christians saying, oh, follow the Bible. No, you don't. You follow the writings of Mary Baker Eddy and her big book, which is basically her worldview, right? Uh, put to the book, Science and Health and Key to Scriptures. Now, even though they say, I follow the Bible, and of course, as you realize, that's exactly how they say it. I follow the Bible, right? About basically the inflection, I got it right. I worked on it all week long, yeah, whatever. They, they say they follow the Bible, but they don't follow the Bible, right? right? Even Joseph Smith, you follow, no, they didn't follow the Bible. You twisted the Bible. You, you do a hack job on it. Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, right? So even when you say you follow the Bible, you don't even really follow the Bible. And on top of that, you follow something else. It's the same thing with Christian science. Now, because of that, you got off the Bible, guess what you got? False teaching galore. I mean, big time. Now, let me just give you just some real quick an outline of what they believe. They believe that God is a universal principle, right? They believe that God cannot indwell a person. We become the temple. Uh, they believe that God is mind, capital M. Okay, they believe that God is, here's a popular phrase, I wonder where, where this came from. They believe that God is father, mother. You're seeing that in some of the secular versions of the Bible nowadays, aren't you? That's Christian science. It's also New Age. Okay? They believe that the Trinity is not like what you think. The Trinity is life, truth, and love. Oh, doesn't that sound more palatable? Right? They believe in uh, the belief in the traditional doctrine of the Trinity, they say, is polytheism. So they not only redefine the Trinity as life, truth, and love. Right? They say that what you and I believe is we're teaching many gods. No, that's not true. It's not one plus one plus one equals Three, right? It's one times one times one, if you want to use the mathematical analogy. They say Christ is the spiritual idea of sonship. It's not to be literal, like the literal Messiah. They also say that Jesus was not the Christ, the Messiah. They say Jesus is not God. Jesus does not reflect the fullness of God. How do you get around that one? Colossians says that all the fullness of the deity dwelled in him. But again, follow the Bible. No, you don't. You follow this false uh, teaching lady. Okay, uh, they say that Jesus did not die. Well, if he didn't die, then we're doomed, right? Because there need to be a sacrifice for sin. Uh, they say the Holy Spirit is divine science. They say there is no devil. They say there is no sin. Then why do we have a courts of law, right? We, we'll get to that in much greater detail. They say that evil and good are not real. What? How do you even shape reality matter sin and sickness are not real but only illusions now you're going to see that you're going to also these guys came out of we probably won't get in that into that until the next study lord one but guess who these guys came out of the same charismatic root right uh phineas quimby we'll see him later he's one of the big pillars most charismatics don't even know their own history unfortunately but he came out of that and this is the early beginnings of the word of faith movement the kenneth copelands and all those guys that name it and claim it blab it and grab it this is where it's coming from she came out of that camp she was heavily influenced by that of course and of course she has these sickness that matter sin and sickness that that's not reality and you need to learn her techniques from her book in order to have perfect health and all that who does that sound like same thing that's going on today that's being promoted in the church not just in christian science okay but you're, we're going to get in that greater detail uh, they say that she says that uh, life is not material or organic Yeah, exactly. What are uh, they say that the sacrifice of Jesus was not sufficient to cleanse from sin? Uh, true healings are a result of true belief, and of course, those beliefs are what she wrote in her book. And you got to do her little techniques. Basically, what it is is repackaged uh, Gnosticism. If you're familiar with that, that Gnosticism, which comes from the word we just quoted, the Greek word gnosis, right? And the Greek means knowledge. And that's what the Gnostics believe. This is, this is something that the church dealt with up until around, I think, the third century, right? The early church dealt with this, right? The Gnostics, that they had this higher super knowledge, right? And so let me expose that. This is basically uh, some, a lot of the Gnosticist beliefs repackaged is really what's going on. They had two false premises. I mean, other ones too. But Gnosticism espoused a dualism regarding spirit and matter, Right? And Gnostics assert that matter is inherently evil and spirit is good. Okay? And so Gnostics believe anything done in the body, even the grossest sin, has no meaning because real life exists only in the spirit realm. Right? So, so it's just an illusion. 
right? So, so again, this is, this is old-fashioned Gnosticism. The church had to deal with it. It's just been repackaged called Christian science, right? Another one, they say that, of course, salvation is gained through the acquisition of divine knowledge. And that's what you're going to see with every cult leader. I've got a word from God. God told me I wrote this book. He inspired it. An angel we saw with seven days sat beside me in my chair and told me all this. Right? The Bible's not good enough. And only they have the secret techniques. That's Gnosticism. And you're going to see that with Mary Baker Eddy, that they have the higher truth, hence their term Gnosticism, Gnosis, right? Uh, and again, uh, but they, same thing, they deny Jesus uh, physical body was not real. It only seemed to be physical. Uh, they say his spirit uh, uh, descended upon him at baptism, but it left right before his crucifixion. On and on and on it goes. So basically, it's the same old thing, even Gnosticism, even this, right? It's the lie of Genesis chapter 3, right? Here's what God said, but no, 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 no. You got to go this way. See, see, God's holding out on you, and you know, I got to, it's the same thing. Right? So just, I don't want to go into a giant study on Gnosticism. Maybe sometime we'll have a study on that. But just to give you an idea, once again, the enemy is slick. He waits for a generation to go by. He waits for a century to go by. And what's the old adage? We say it all the time. Those who don't learn their history are doomed to repeat it, right? And even Christians, we don't even know our history. We don't even know our own history. I mean, the moment she starts coming out with this stuff, we're going like, wait a second. We know our church history. The church dealt with this for 300 years. It's called Gnosticism. You just changed the name. Get out of here. We don't even know that. So guess what? They repackage it, give it to a whole different generation who's ignorant of their history, and they fall for it again. Right? But I want you to understand this is nothing new under the sun. Old-fashioned false teaching just repackaged, throwing in with a bunch of other false stuff that we're going to get as well. Now, Christian scientists, again, oh, oh by the way, just a little smattering of their basic, if you, to even use that word, doctrinal beliefs, okay? Is that have anything to do with Christianity? I mean, even close? Not even close. And what incredible scientific principles came out? Rhymes with none, that's right. Whoever said that? Are you kidding me? So again, it says it's all about the terminology. And the terminology is a smokescreen. It has nothing to do with Christian, has nothing to do with science, Okay? Not even close. Uh, Christian scientists, listen, also prefer not to use doctors, medicine, or immunizations. Right? Now, we, guess who also is big on that? Jehovah's Witnesses uh, on that same thing, too. And again, you're talking about the same time frame that these guys are all coming out. It's coming out that same route that we saw and exposed uh, before. I'm not a big fan of a, a lot of the immunizations nowadays, myself personally, but that doesn't mean... Uh, that you reject all doctors and all that stuff. But again, because why? What's her premise? One of her big premises is, if you have that secret knowledge that only she knew apparently, then you could just speak forth your reality. right? And also, it's not just Gnosticism. We're going to see with Phineas Quimby. It's Hinduism, right? Big in New Age. So that's the underpinnings of the Word of Faith movement, right? Christian science practitioners are used to help people see through the false reality of illness. Now, you wonder why Scientology, Lord willing, comes next? Because what's their premise? You can't do it on your own. You need to come to a Scientology counselor to help lead you through these mental techniques to help you into a state of clear, right? Same kind of premise, right? You don't know how, even though here's a book for you to read, which doesn't work, and, uh, but you need to come to us, right? And then we'll show you how to do it. Right. So it's the same kind of premise. Uh, proper prayer and training are employed uh, to battle the non-reality of illness. Again, all that's just an illusion, guys. There's no reason for you to have disease and, and illness and whatever. You, it's just it's non-reality. You need to just speak it out of existence with our techniques. Now, again, who does that sound like? That is what is all over so-called Christian TV today. It's straight out of false teaching. Nothing new under the sun. They have no ordinances like the Lord's Supper or baptism. Church services, so-called church services, are interspersed with Bible reading and readings from Science and Health, her big giant book. And Mary Baker, Edder, Mary Baker Eddy is highly regarded as a revelator of God's word. Right? So she's got that secret knowledge. Now, does that smell like LNG White Part 2? Yeah, exactly. It's the very same similar scenario that's going on, unfortunately. Now listen to what this guy says. Christian science has completely reinterpreted the Bible. So there you go. They may have a Bible at their so-called church services, right? 
Uh, they may say, oh, we follow the Bible. And yes, of course, Mary Baker Eddy in her incredible book, right? Uh, but guess what? What do you do? You reinterpret it. You cherry pick it. You pick and choose what you want. You twist it, right? So just because they say that, don't be fooled. Well, it's, it says Christian science and they got a Bible and they say God and Jesus. Not even close, right? He said it drastically redefines the Bible's culture and terminology and rips thousands of scriptures out of their historical and biblical context. The result is a non-Christian mixture of metaphysical and philosophical thoughts. Christian science, listen, is so foreign to the Bible that if it didn't use words like Jesus, Trinity, love, grace, sin, that's right, Ruth, act, you never suspect it had anything to do with the Bible at all. It's that far off right they just sprinkled christianese on it but it has nothing to do with christianese now let me give you one more example and then we're going to bust into the history where this came from right just to show you how much they oh they'll use biblical terminology we saw that with seventh-day adventists right but their salvation ain't the same uh, salvation their jesus isn't the same jesus right their version of hell is not the same hell and on and on it went same thing with jehovah's witnesses oh they believe in jesus well you're just saying the same jesus you're salvation same thing with mormons right oh you're they're these, this terminology is really off base and frankly way off base now, and it's all Christianese so if you had a general conversation with a Christian scientist and if you didn't know better you could be getting really fooled because they're going to pepper you with all kinds of Christian terminology now l- l- let me expose it angels like oh hey they believe in angels got to be Christian right listen to what they call angels angels are God's thoughts passing on to man an inspiration of goodness. No, they're messengers from God. They're actual beings created by God. Right? I'm not even close. I'm just getting started. Angels, atonement. <gasps> they believe in atonement. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, they say it's not the shedding of Christ's blood. They play, and you might have seen this in some churches, folks. This is, right, atonement. They say, no, 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 no. Really what that means. It had nothing to do with Jesus' shedding of the cross. It means at one meant that's what it means it's it's lifting the whole man into the christ consciousness christ consciousness that's new age remember that right and we'll get into matthew 24 in just one second right but that's what so so man angels atonement it's got to be not even close baptism well okay at least they got that one right no baptism has nothing to do with submerging in water it means the daily ongoing purification of thought and deed you know, of course, those negative thoughts because you're not supposed to have, you know, any kind of sin's not real and disease is not real and all that stuff. You're, you're, you're baptizing that out of you. What? Has nothing to do with that. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. All right. Hey, the Bible defines that one. That's an easy one. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when people, according to the context, were accusing Jesus physically, when he was physically on earth, of doing his miracles by the power of Satan. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So they got that one right. No, no, no. That is the belief that God created disharmony in the world. <laughs> not even close. Christ. Okay, at least they believe in Christ. No, not their version. Not like ours. They believe that Christ is the divine idea man. Jesus was not the Christ, but a perfect representation, listen, of the Christ consciousness, right? And that is the true and higher self of every person, right? Because you are all a part of the Christ consciousness. This is full-blown New Age. Remember that from back in New Age stuff? I came out of this baloney, right? That you're all part. And see, that's what you got to do. You got to use her techniques to get rid of this illusion of error and these lies. And, and once you achieve that perfection of the Christ consciousness, everything's perfect. No disease and everything's great. And I, right? In fact, and I quote, a Christian scientist can say, I am Christ. Open your Bibles quickly, Matthew 24. 2,000 years ago, Jesus warned prior to his second coming, which is at the end of the seven-year tribulation, but prior to his coming, the disciples says, hey, man, how do we know? It's getting close, right? And uh, Jesus, the first thing he warns them before it's uh, famines and wars and earthquakes and rumors of wars and all that kind of stuff, uh, listen to what he says right out of the gates after they pose that question uh, to him. What do you look out for? He says there, uh, Jesus answered, watch out that no one what? deceives you why because many will come in my name claiming what i am the christ 
This is what they promote. This is what New Age promotes. Yes, I believe it also has entails the issue that people literally claim to be Jesus. I think that's easy. But it is very interesting that the New Age, and now as we're seeing Christian science, that's what they believe, that people need to wake up that they are a part of the Christ consciousness, that they are the Christ. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, first thing before he got into anything else, watch out for this. Don't let anybody deceive you. Uh-uh. Right? But he said, unfortunately, not a few, many will, will be doing that. Right? Uh, creation. They say creation is not a literal six-day thing. That creation is the product of divine mind. Death, they say, is an illusion. Uh, the lie of... <laughs> Where do you even deal with that one? The devil. The devil, they say, is not an entity, not a person, and has no existence. He just represents lie and error. Okay? Yeah, evil spirits. No, there's no such thing as evil spirits. That's just false beliefs is what that is, Bobby, in case you're wondering. Uh, the flesh. Oh, with the flesh that we're talking No, no. The flesh is an error of physical belief. Well, God. Well, they got God. That's a Christian word. They got to be a Christian, right? Everybody believes in God. No. no. Is God is Father, Mother, God. Number one, they say. Uh, other names they use for God is the divine mind, soul with a capital S, principle, life, truth, love, uh, and that to a Christian scientist, God is the governing principle of the universe to which a person must harmonize in his belief system. You got to connect it. Now you're getting into Hinduism. Remember the Brahmin and all that stuff, and you got to merge with the, that conscious. Yeah. Same kind of thing. We'll get to that in a little bit. Healing. They say healing is accomplished by correct thinking according to Christian science principles and a change in belief that affects physical symptoms, right? So you have the power of life and death. You have the power of healing with your words. Now, if you know, we're not even there yet, but if, two things. One, if you know that anything about witchcraft and the occult, it's all about words, Specific words strung together in specific orders creates the power to create what you want to create. That's full-blown witchcraft, number one. Number two, who also teaches, you better be careful what comes out of your mouth. Don't sit there and say, I feel like I got a cold. Because don't you know the power of life and death is in the tongue? And it's completely ripped out of context. What's that? That's the same thing. That's the word of faith false teaching. That's Hinduism. His doing Hinduism and New Age believe you can create your own reality. With your mantra, saying it over and over again, with proper words and belief, you combine that, you can create your own reality. It's the same thing, again, repackaged. That's what they believe, the core of that. Uh, they say heaven is not a literal uh, place of eternal bliss. That is simply a harmonious condition of understanding where a person's consciousness is, again, in harmony with the divine mind. Whatever. Oh, and flip it around. Hell isn't real either, apparently, they say. Uh, it's a state of mind that can include the effects of improper understanding of the divine mind. And, of course, what she taught. Of course, you create your own hell by getting it wrong and not listening to her. Right? It's what, you've got to be kidding me. Right? Now, I'm still going, but does that sound Christian to you? Does that sound like science? So is it a fair statement to say, it's Christian science, but it ain't Christian and it ain't science. Not even close, right? Uh, Holy Spirit. Okay, they've got to be Christian because that's a Christianese phrase. Well, to them, the Holy Spirit is the divine science. That's all it is. Jesus stripes. Well, Jesus stripes really isn't a physical thing. It simply is a rejection of error, not the beating that he received in the flesh. It's just rejecting error. That's what Jesus stripes means. He was rejecting error, right? Material reality, again, they say is not existence. Now, this is wild. Mortal mind. Whoa. Mortal mind. Nothing claiming to be something. Direct quote. Mic drop. Put the hand down. Put the marker down. Whoa. Whoa. How do you, what? Nothing claiming to be something. I'm sorry. But apparently with my brain that's not really here, it's an illusion. And my non-reality thinking of error. Last time I checked, though, nothing can claim nothing. Because if there's nothing, nothing, guess, guess what? Nothing does. Nothing. What can nothing do? Nothing. What can nothing say? Nothing. What can nothing make? Nothing. But somehow nothing claims to be something. <laughs> You're going, okay, how did she come up with that? Now, I'm going to guess. I don't have the, f 
I don't have the historical proof, but I do think this played into it. Almost, Bobby. Almost. She was a major morphine addict. Big time morphine addict. Right? That's right. Stick with the Bible. Don't do morphine. That's our theme. Okay. <laughs> now, they got pastor. Okay, they got the word pastor. They use pastor. I mean, so that's got to be, right? no, pastor to them is simply uh, their version of the Bible, what they pick and choose, and, of course, her book, The Science and Health with Key to Scriptures. That's their pastor. Not an actual guy, right? That's what their pastor. Uh, prayer, that's just a contemplation and internalization of divine truths, right? It's not a communication with God or anything of that nature. Resurrection is simply a spiritualization of thought, Right? It's, it, it's a, a yielding to a spiritual understanding, of course, her version of it. So basically, when, when you realize what she taught and it's true, and, and, and you believe that, that's your resurrection. Wow. Okay? Uh, salvation. That, their diver, uh, is life, truth, and love understood and demonstrated as supreme over all sin, sickness, and death destroyed. So when you come to that belief that all that's just an illusion, and you, you, you merge with her teachings and what she calls the divine mind, that's your salvation, according to her. Sickness, of course, is a false understanding given the appearance of reality to those who are ignorant, right? So that's all it is. It's not even real. You just need to unreal it. Because nothing claiming to be something can unreal something real with the thing. Yeah, whatever. Okay, and wrath. Okay, wrath. Now that's a Christian term. Right? Well, they say wrath is not God's judgment upon the sinner. Oh, no, contraire. Nothing coming out of something. Uh, it really is the working out of the law of God's being upon a person. What? <laughs> not even close. It's crazy, right? Christian science, the book, The Science and Health and Key to Scriptures, which the Christian scientist is their mainstay of spiritual knowledge. So you can say, oh, you want the Bible, but you don't follow the Bible. You twist the Bible. Whatever you even try to bring out of the Bible, you twist and contort, etc., blah, blah. Their mainstay is from her book, The Science and Health with a Key to Scriptures, which is their mainstay of knowledge. And listen, he, this guy says, it reads like the rhythm of a pseudo-logical statements. What's that? False logical As in, nothing claiming to be something. <laughs> it reads with the rhythm of a pseudo-logical statement that has the tendency, listen, to dull the senses when read long enough. Isn't that the truth? Have you ever run into folks like, oh, yeah, have you ever read this guy? This guy is so incredible. Right? And Chris, you got to sound like that too. It's so incredible. Right? And it was just, I was so blown away. Right? And you read it and you can't, you can't even get past the first page. The words are like 18 syllables long. And have you ever read something like that? They, they throw in these huge words. To, well, it's, it's, it's confusing. It's got to be intelligent. I can't pronounce those words. What a master of knowledge this guy has to be, right? And that's what he's saying, right? These people, right? Have you ever noticed that some folks, they get so many degrees that they become dangerous? With all due respect, I'm not against education. I've got a few degrees, and I still can't take out the trash. That's my son. He's up here. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm not against education, but sometimes you get so educated, and you get so mindly, and the big words. And, and that's what's so awesome about God's word. It's so profound, yes, that theologians can't even plumb the depths of it. But come on, a little child can understand the gospel. Right? But this is what she relies on, just a bunch of gobbledygook and nonsense. And Well, it's got to be true. It sounds like complete nonsense. Right? But see, people get sucked into that. They get sucked into it. Oh, it's intellectualism. Right? And that's what he says. Now, so he says, is Christian science Christian? No. no. His words, definitely not. Right? Christian science, let's take a look at the uh, demographics. Who is attracted to this? Right? Well, 42% uh, have a college education. Again, not against the college education, right? I'm a graduate, I R1, right? Okay, uh, I'm not against that. Uh, I'm not saying everybody goes to a college and has a college degree, they turn out like this, or they gravitate towards it. I'm not saying that. But there seems to be a thing that it's, it's more about knowledge. Remember, she's got the secret knowledge. And if you reject God, and you have no God, you have no Jesus, you reject the Bible, which oftentimes is the battle that goes on in secular universities. And I think many of us have gone to those, you can verify that. Right? But you come out of that godless environment, anti-God, but you're still wanting to do something spiritual. Mind, science, false teaching, including Scientology next. But Christian science too, you, you gravitate towards. 
because it's all in the words. It's in the mind. And you're, so, you're the spiritual elite and things of that nature. So that's 42%. Uh, 16% of them earn 50000 more, well above the national average. So they're uh, more secularly educated, typically, and more higher income earners on the national average. 30%, one-third of them, uh, roughly, are over 65. Now, why? Well, what's one of her big false teachings? If you follow her teaching, that you're going to get what? Health. And what happens when your body gets about 65? Help me. Help me now. <laughs> right? And so if you don't know Jesus and you're kind of in this upper crusty kind of mindset knowledge, it's got to be smart. I can't pronounce it. If you're into that kind of stuff and then they come and say, just do this smart stuff, which makes you look cool and sound intelligent. Ha ha. And you'll have perfect health. Man, no wonder these people go sucked in right into it. Right? You're going to see a lot of major, it's not the only place, it's on the East Coast as well. You see a lot of this in uh, Southern California and stuff where you got kind of that crowd going on. Okay, Christian science is also overwhelmingly female, 70% of Christian scientists. Now, various reasons, it's kind of hard to explain because, I don't know, it's almost like you're no winner on that one, you're going to sound like you're being sexist or something. But I think an easy one is, guess what? They want to follow who? Who's the founder of this? A guy? No, it's a female. So there's going to be that connection, you know, uh, with that. So let's get into that connection. Where did this come from? It came from this lady, Mary Baker Eddy. Okay, let's take a look there in your notes there. Uh, Christian science began 1897. Mary Baker Eddy in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, she was born Mary Baker in New Hampshire, 1821, and actually was a member of the Congregationalist uh, Church. In her youth, she was suffering from various ailments, and she was frequently ill. I'll get to that in a second. At age 22, she was married, but her husband died soon after from yellow fever, leaving her poor and with an infant son, whom she gave to, up to foster care. And that's kind of a scandal. I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, in 1853, she married again and in an attempt to regain custody of her son, but that still didn't work out. In 1862, 41 years old, she suffers from an illness and she visited a what? Mind science healer named Phineas Quimby. We'll stop right there because that'll probably be a big chunk of our topic next time. Phineas Quimby is one of the pillars of the charismatic movement Okay, which led to the so-called Azusa uh, Street Revival, which gave birth to the Americana version of the charismatic movement, which is nothing new. It's old-fashioned Hinduism and Kundalini spirit, all that kind of stuff, uh, repackaged, uh, as well as the underpinnings of the modern word faith movement. So we'll deal with that there. But let me back up the train. Let's get a little bit more into her childhood. Because when you understand her background, you understand why she turned out the way she did. And why she believes what she did, including what she wrote in her book. But let's get into that. Again, she was born 1821. She died 1910. Wait a second. Did she really die? Or was that an illusion? Can't have it both ways. See, that's another thing with the Word of Faith guys, who've been for decades, unfortunately. I thought they'd be shut down a long time ago in the church. But they're still going strong, unfortunately. I can't believe it, right? Manipulating people with greed is really what it is and what the Scripture warned about in the last days. Okay, uh, but what do they say? You have perfect health, perfect wealth. Well, perfect health, really, hmm. Because I can go online, and I can get pictures of you 30 years ago, and I can get a picture of you this year. Oh, no, it doesn't. For some reason, your skin seems to be a little bit tighter 30 years ago. Over here, crinkle, crackle, crinkle, crinkle, wrinkle. <laughs> What's the matter? You don't have enough faith? You're getting older. What do you say? Oh, I thought that was in I thought you just need to speak. So we are literally watching these guys with so-called perfect health baloney. They're getting rich. But guess what? They're getting old and falling apart just like the rest of us. That's the obvious thing. But anyway, so, so she began that. Uh, she wrote, again, her big textbook. That was 1875. She founds the science, uh, Church of Science 1879 right after she wrote the book. Uh, then the, she goes on to their publishing society, which we'll get into later. Uh, of course, the Christian Science Monitor in the early 1900s. But she was born on a farmhouse. Her dad was a guy named Mark Baker. Her mom's name was Abigail. She was the youngest of six kids, right? And uh, her dad was a, quote, strong religious man from the Protestant Congregationalist background. He was a firm believer in the final judgment and eternal damnation. Right? We're going to see that she had a volatile relationship with her dad. 
okay? And uh, so is it any wonder that she wanted to reject what her dad taught? And her dad sounds like he might have been a violent guy, which I'm not condoning. And that might have pushed her even further away, which I think is sad. But he was a staunch guy of eternal judgment. What's one thing she doesn't think is true? Hell, eternal judgment, right? So you understand their background. You understand how they turned out the way they did. So she wrote that her father uh, had been a justice of the peace at one point, a chaplain of the New Hampshire State Militia. Uh, he developed a reputation locally for being, quote, a tiger for a temper and always in a row. He once killed a crow with his walking stick for violating the Sabbath. Whack. Now, if it was a chicken, I wouldn't feel so bad. But this crow, I mean, come on, right? No, but what does that tell you? You know, can't I, you know dude probably wasn't the nicest dad. And I'm not condoning that, right? And maybe that's what she missed. Maybe she missed a, a tender heavenly you know, uh, or not a heavenly father, but maybe that's why she had a warped view of the heavenly father because of her earthly father. So again, I'm not condoning that, but that's her, her background. Uh, they also described him as a supporter of slavery and alleged that uh, he had been pleased to hear about Abraham Lincoln's death. Okay, well, apparently the family had a history of temper because the uh, children, as said, inherited their dad's temper, including her. She was quite the uh, pistol, okay, uh, so they have this, and so she also, growing up, she suffered uh, periods of uh, sudden illnesses. Uh, those who knew the family described her as suddenly, listen, falling to the floor, writhing and screaming, uh, silent, and then sometimes unconscious, sometimes for hours. Who's that start to sound like? Round two of who we just finished up with, Ellen G. White. Very strange behavior. Now, was it something physical or was it something supernatural? I don't know, but here's another encounter of her, and she writes about this in one of her works as an experience when she was growing up. She said, Many peculiar circumstances and events connected with my childhood uh, are thronged through the chambers of my memory. For some 12 months, for a whole year, she said, when she was eight years old, listen, she said, I repeatedly heard a voice calling me distinctly by name three times in an ascending scale. Mary, Mary. Mary. Now, me personally, if I heard that, you know what I would do? Run! You know why? Twofold. Number one, because my name's not Mary. <laughs> Number two, that's freaky. <laughs> right? So this is, that's what she said. So uh, she said, uh, uh, so she thought this was her mother's voice. So she goes to her mom and she says, Mom, what's going on? She goes, nothing. What are you talking about? And uh, uh, she, she would say, well, Mom, who, who called me, right? And I heard somebody call Mary three times, right? And, of course, your mom gets, you know, kind of perplexed with her or whatever. But, that, but it's like, well, what is that? If there was an actual audible voice that she heard calling to her, what was it? Bingo. So early on, you got some weird demonic stuff going on, right? Also, she records at one time, quote, a mother came to her with a child in her arms who was suffering from inflamed eyes. She took the child in her arms, and the child was healed. So maybe she had these supernatural powers. Anyway, so she was sick a lot, obviously. Uh, she also suffered from an eating disorder, okay? Uh, and I quote, she embarked on a diet of nothing but water, bread, and vegetables, and at one point consumed just once a day. All right, now this is early on. Now, I'm not saying this, and I had to document this because I knew as soon as I start making statements like this, you guys are going to say, oh, there you go. There's your beef debate coming up again, anti, you know, all right? Uh, but it has been proven and, you know, you wonder why God said after the flood, when the whole atmosphere on the earth and the topography of the earth changed, what was one thing he said you could do that you weren't doing before? You could eat meat. And there's been medical examinations, especially early on in childhood development, that when you restrict and go back to a complete vegetarian diet for youngsters growing up, it inhibits proper brain development. There's something that is needed for the human body in those stages. So you grow up in an environment, uh, and she, this is what she's on top of all these other weird things going on, and she's just eating water and bread and veggies, probably not the best thing for her health, right, growing up, right? Uh, she was almost an invalid for much of her life, okay? But what'd she do? She went to the Bible. No, she didn't. She said, I sought knowledge from the different schools, uh, homeopathy, hydro, uh, uh, hydropathy, electricity, and various things without receiving satisfaction. So they moved eventually to another place in New Hampshire, and this is where her dad, now she's a teenager, I believe, yeah, 15 years old, quote, my father was taught to believe that my brain was too large for my body, and so kept me much out of school. Not making it up. 
which I'm not condoning the dad, but that's just kind of a weird thing. You're, hey, sorry, where's she at? Sorry, Rebecca, your head's too big. You need to stop all education. Like, what? what? That's just kind of a strange little nugget there. Okay. Uh, but then eventually she was received as a member into the Congregational Church, 1838. But she rejected even then so strongly of the idea of eternal damnation that it, quote, made her ill. But maybe a lot of that was, and I'm not condoning it, was how she grew up with her dad. Okay. Remember how many times we saw with the different people growing up, even in the cults, that you look at how they were raised, and could it be that that was one of the things that drove them away from Christ? How many times have we seen that so far? It's not an excuse. It helps us to understand. It's sad, but that's the lesson for us today. Are we drawing our kids and the people, even if we don't have kids, are we drawing people closer to Christ, or with our behavior, we push them away? Right? Because it happened to her, apparently. So she was also badly affected by four deaths. That happened pretty rapidly. Uh, first was her brother Albert, that she considered a teacher and a mentor. He died 1841. 1844, her first husband George, uh, he died six months after marriage with yellow fever. Her mother died 1849. And then three weeks later, by the death of her fiancé, she had a fiancé, but he died. Then her son was uh, sent away. And, uh, and at, when she was four years old, uh, there's a debate whether or not she could have prevented this or whatever. She didn't see him until later. I think he was in his 30s. Uh, she lived with her sister, and uh, then now she's got a second husband, uh, Daniel Patterson. He was a dentist, and, uh, but again, uh, he was supposed to adopt her son, but he didn't. And again, she didn't see him again until he was uh, in his 30s. So that's kind of growing up. Now, here comes the so-called major breakthrough, right? So she's already involved in some strange stuff. She's already involved in some weird spiritual stuff. Uh, she may be in an environment that definitely is not reflecting Christ, not reflecting God's truth, and uh, she might be suffering from serious physical problems, okay? But she has a fall in 1866, and she fell and slipped on some ice while uh, in Swamp Scott, Massachusetts. And she had a spinal injury from that. Now, here's what she wrote of that instance, right? This was the big breakthrough. And eventually this led her to write her incredible book, right? On the third day thereafter, I called for my Bible and opened it to Matthew 9.2. And read, and behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. As I read, she said, the healing truth dawned upon my sins. And as a result was that I arose, dressed myself, and ever after I was in better health than I had before in joy. Right? So she read the verse, you name it, you claim it, you got healing. What's that sound like? Same baloney that's going on today. Can God heal people? Yeah, but guess what? It ain't because you're somehow twisting your arm with your secret uh, formula, right? And what it is. But that was her major breakthrough, right? And then eventually she said, well, see, see, if, if you just, we've got it all wrong. This whole Christianity thing is wrong, even though I'm going to call it Christian science. I think that's just to suck people in, okay? Because uh, it's not Christian, it's not science. But then if you just learn these techniques, man, we're missing out. We could, you know, but here's the hypocrisy. And I quote, she late, remember, this was a breakthrough, big breakthrough. This is what got her going in this perfect health thing, right? And uh, so uh, this is a big basis for it. But then, if you're so perfectly healed because you did your technique here, then, quote, why did you, quote, later file a claim for money from the city that she fell in for her injury on the grounds that she was on, quote, still suffering from the effects of the fall? Bingo. So on the one hand, you say, well, this is a major event in my life. And it proved, I just, I just believed with my mind. I connected with the divine mind. And I was able to heal, bring healing to my body, a serious spinal injury. I'm going to sue you guys. Because it still hurts. On record. Wow. Now, she also got into uh, really bad stuff on top of what we've seen so far. Seances. Right? Bingo. And that's why I think that maybe that Mary, 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 there's a little bit of demonic stuff going on because she goes into that route. Now, she devoted, after this fall, that was supposedly cured her, but then why did you do the lawsuit and said you're still hurting? But after that, she devoted, quote, the next three years of her life and uh, what she considered the discovery of Christian science. She said, I withdrew from society for about three years to ponder my mission, to find the science of mine, to reveal the great curative principle. 
And uh, she became convinced that illness could be healed through an awakened thought brought about by a clear perception of God and the explicit rejection of drugs. Let's talk about morphine, shall we? Wow, you didn't reject that drug. Get that in a second. All right, before we get there, though, uh, she separated from her husband, the dentist, Daniel Patterson, and, uh, and then uh, here comes some of the background growing up uh, with her volatile family. She was never able to stay long in one family. She quarreled successfully with all her hostesses, and her departure from the house was heralded on two or three occasions by a violent scene. This lady had quite the temper. Her friends during these years were generally spiritualists. Now, if you recall back in our New Age study, right, spiritualists sound spiritual, but spiritualists for the time of that time was basically those who were involved in the occult seances, things of that nature. So when, when I'm reading spiritualists, it's not, oh, wow, they're godly people. No, people involved in seances, trying to conjure up the dead and all that kind of stuff, okay, which was in vogue at the time. Okay, so she got, that's her friends, that's who she's hanging out with, right? And, and listen to this, she, listen, although she says, like, listen, what I'm teaching Christian science has nothing to do with this spiritualism, this, this seance and, and necromancy and all that stuff. Really? Well, she, even though said that, but she became well known that she was a medium, that spirits would speak through her in Boston, at one time, uh, and also researchers write that Eddie acted as a, quote, trance channeler and worked in and around Boston as a spiritualist medium giving public seances for money. Remember what the trance channeler? That's the new age term, but they did the same thing, is now it's not just there's demons out there and you're trying to listen to them, you know, all that stuff. Now they're inside you. They've taken possession of your vocal cords. They're speaking through you. So now what do you got a person involved in they're probably possessed right so this is her background that we're dealing with now between 1866 and 1870 uh she boarded at a home of a, a lady named brenna uh, Payne clark who was also interested in spiritualism and so they often conducted seances there remember she says oh no christian science has nothing to do with this spiritualism right according to a mrs richard hazeltine uh, they, who attended the seances they were having there at this lady's home, she said that Eddie had acted as a trance medium claiming to channel the spirits of the apostles. Eddie was also known for channeling messages from her dead brother and her friend Sarah Crosby. And according to a Martin Gardner, Eddie's mediumship converted Crosby to spiritualism. That it was so real that he says, man, I've got to get into this stuff. But somehow, Christian science has no... Bearing with this kind of, yeah, whatever, right? Mary Gould, she was also another spiritualist. She claimed that one of the spirits that Eddie channeled was Abraham Lincoln. And according to eyewitness reports, Eddie was still attending seances as late as 1872, which is just a couple years before she did her book, okay? So in these later seances, uh, Eddie would attempt to convert her audience into accepting her early version at that time of Christian science. Well, again, you call it Christian science, but you're deep in what? You're involved in the occult. Right, with that, and very possibly demonically possessed, most likely, unless the whole thing's a sham. Right? Historian Anne Broad wrote that there were similarities between spiritualism and Christian science, and, uh, but the way that Eddie, Murray Baker Eddie, would try to rationalize, oh, no, no, what I'm teaching is different. Yeah, I might have been involved in that, but this is different. Is she said the spirit manifestations that they had in these seances and her speaking demons, and, uh, that they had never really had bodies to begin with because matter is unreal. Doesn't mean it's not the occult, right? Okay. And it, one guy says, it must be understood that as the discovery of Christian science, it is inseparable from Mrs. Eddy's human experience. So you want to understand where all this stuff is coming from? What do you got to understand? You got to understand her background. And her background was involved in the occult. Having odd demonic experiences, possibly demonically possessed. Who knows how long this demon connection was going on, maybe from early childhood. And unfortunately, probably had a very bad, hypocritical, non-biblical upbringing that shoved her away. Sad. But what's also sad, I'm running out of time. I'm not going to rush it, but I'm going to give you a little teaser. Okay? Everybody close your eyes for a second. Okay, what that involves is the eyelids going down. Okay, because I don't want you to see the videos that I got, or the pictures uh, there. Okay. Okay, because I'm going to have to say that for next time. I've got to skip ahead because I've got to at least show you this. All right? 
I'm going to share you a video of a guy. Uh, I had to do some serious editing with the language, so you don't have to worry about that. But based on that and what I could discover, this guy is not a Christian, but even he knows <laughs> that her source of inspiration was not good. Okay? And he's going he's gonna to call it out on the carpet. Okay? So what do you get uh, when you have a bad source of inspiration uh, and somebody promoting their belief system? You get Christian science. But listen, listen to what he says about her background. Let's take a look. All right. So I am at the First Church of Christ, comma, scientist, which, as we said before, was founded by Mary Baker Eddy. Uh, Mary Baker Eddy was a woman from New Hampshire, uh, born to a very strict and religious father who actually believed that her brain was too large for her head and decided that she should discontinue formal education at the age of 10. Uh, their major belief is the fact that they believe that you can heal yourself through spiritual practice and through spiritual education. Their churches do not actually have priests. Uh, their pastor is actually the Bible and also their main religious texts. But with all religions, there's the crazy too, right? They believe in something called malicious animal magnetism. Um, this is basically the belief that uh, with the opened mind powers that are given to you by studying the Bible and studying other things, that you are actually able to affect the thoughts of other people. So imagine like a bunch of Jean Grey. Uh, Mary Baker Eddy actually believed that uh, her followers could uh, do damage to other people and that there were defects from the church that were actively trying to unseat her. This was such a fervent belief of hers that she actually used to keep followers in her church outside of her personal bedroom to psychically ward off any malicious animal magnetism that would somehow uh, affect her. I know what you're thinking. Um, hey, your beard probably a product of malicious animal magnetism and you are 100% correct. It has taken most of my psychic abilities to be able to grow this luscious beard. Others of you are probably saying, hey, that's crazy, right? Like who in their right mind would ever think of this idea of Jean Grey before X-Men, right? <laughs> and the answer to that is A, a lot of morphine. So many reports indicate that Mary Baker Eddy was a lifelong morphine addict. Um, she couldn't get enough of the stuff, right? And back in those days, right, you didn't have to go to like some street drug dealer to get your morphine. You could just order from Sears and Roebuck, right? So just catalog drug dealing. So yay drugs. <laughs> no yay drugs, right? But that's what you get. We're going to get into that in much greater detail as well as that malicious animal magnetism. That's right. And she really did have people stationed around to keep those evil mental powers away from her to protect. It's just crazy. But again, I really think, what do you get when you get away from the Bible? You have a bad experience growing up, probably had some serious health problems, but then you start getting into spiritualism, demonic activity, you might have very well been possessed, and you're an addict to morphine. You know what you get? Christian science. But it's not Christian, and it's not science. And we're going to see that even more so, Lord willing, next time. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So, once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let, let, let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. 
uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, how many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven, that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You will be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven in that state. You're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, He says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extended to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. 
Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.